Mayfly. Written and narrated by Ray Fletcher. Chapter 4 She fell asleep on the sofa before Groundhog Day was over. Her mother had to prod her gently to get her to move. Time for bed, kiddo. Sorry to wake you. Bit too big to carry in, John said, then looked embarrassed. Sorry. Did that sound weird? Sorry. No. Doing it, maybe. That would be weird. He laughed. Her mom's whole face lit up. She looked like that a lot when he was around, which had been every night lately. He hadn't been kidding when he said he had a good movie collection. It was pretty easy to give in to her mom's little nags to hang out. Nothing but popcorn and movies, and excuses not to go back to the meadow. She stumbled to the bathroom to brush her teeth. Ewan's smile lingered in the back of her mind. The mark on her neck was completely gone. Flawless. Was that fast? She paused, mouth foamed with toothpaste, and ran her fingers over it. Did she believe Bobby when he said he didn't do it? He could have even driven her home and ended up back out there. She wished she could remember, but whatever happened between pulling on her jeans and waking up at home was gone. She flopped into bed, falling asleep quickly. It was one of those strange sleeps, though, full of weird dreams that she remembered, or at least remembered experiencing while she was in them. This time crying followed her from one to the next, mournful, endless, and comfortless, and it echoed in her ears when she woke. She had forgotten to close her blinds again. Moonlight plated the room in silver, making everything slightly different than itself. Slightly better. Threadbare, worn, old, discolored. All of it was hidden beneath a soft sheen. The feeling of not quite real followed her through her silent dressing and sneaking out to pull on her boots. John's snores rattled down the narrow hall, paused, then started up again. She closed the door and shivered her way to the drive, then pushed into the trees. The light was there, only it was faint, pulsing sluggishly, almost dying out entirely at times. Branches snagged and grasped at her hair and clothes. Before long, she started to pant, sweating with the effort, while the light dipped and dulled away to a fitful smudge. She moaned, frustrated, slapping at a branch that dragged across her face. There was no way to even tell if she was still going in the right direction. Idiot. She stopped on the edge of a shallow dip. It felt like she'd come too far. It should be easier by now. The other lights should be here. Warm wind should be blowing. Please, where are you? I'm trying. Nothing moved. She couldn't see the light anymore. Please? I'm lost. Please. She wiped the sweat out of her eyes, turning around, then again. Nothing was familiar. Panic made it hard to breathe. Please. I'm lost. Please help me. Her eyes burned, and she swiped at them, refusing to cry. She didn't cry. Not over something stupid like this. It isn't stupid. It's magic like books. It's important and you fucked it up. You have one chance to have something special and you fuck it up like you did the scholarships. 
She told the vicious little voice to shut up, like always. Eventually it fell silent, and the hysterical wave subsided. The light crept towards her, in timid fits and starts. Suddenly she could breathe again. It's, it's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm sorry. I want to go back. She reached out. It flitted behind a tree. It was so dim that it might as well have been steam off a kettle. It drifted toward her again, and it felt like steam, too, when her fingers brushed through it. She felt an impact, knocking the air out of her. The light flared bright, and when it calmed again, it looked more like itself. It swirled around her, and a warm wind followed with it. It was easier to move forward then, not like it had been other times, but better. The light stayed by her side like a puppy or a little kid eager to show off. The way began to clear until at last she came to the cottonwood tree. It wasn't a green place anymore. Dried seed pods caught in the grass, rattling to free themselves from fragile traps. The tree glowed with the turning of the season. Though the wind felt warmer, it was full of the smell of berries left to ripen too long on the branch, and the mouldering smell of fungus on decaying logs. It felt like September. Her boots crushed leaves into the mud. When the yellow grass clutched at her, it left wet trails against her clothes. Ewan slumped at the base of the tree, cradled by old roots that had erupted from the dirt. He was so motionless that she thought he might be dead. His face was turned away, toward the bubbling creek. The light hovered at his feet, twitching worriedly. Marianne hesitated, then forced herself to walk to him. Ewan? The light flared. She wiped her hand on her jeans and touched his arm. His head moved, turning to face her. His bright eyes were sunken. His skin looked waxy. Marianne. It was barely a whisper. She shivered. I thought you'd gone away. I'm sorry. I just... I was busy. Ah, the world outside is so cold. She looked around the clearing. What happened? Are you sick? I'm part of this place. I live and die as it does. Die? You're dying? He smiled faintly. So it seems. But you, you said you were... I thought you were old. Like, magic. She felt like an idiot saying it out loud. Nothing can live alone, and we've been alone so long. He touched her hand, just resting it there. It was warm and pleasant. She looked for the other lights, not quite pulling her hand away, and his hand remained. They've gone? They're here, just very weak. We were waiting for you. They were so excited. She felt a stab of guilt. You can help them, if you want. How? The way you helped the first one. He nodded at the light dancing about his feet. She'll guide you to them. The lights had only ever been nice to her, and happy. Joyous, she thought. It was a word she'd read in English class but never really seen in person before. Okay. 
Okay, I'll help. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She got to her feet. The light shivered and flickered ahead, leading her down to the creek. It was clogged with red leaves from the bushes that crowded its shore upstream. One of the lights hovered like a mist over it. She looked over her shoulder, and while she couldn't see Ewan, it felt like he could see her. She stretched out her hand. The first light swooped out, herding the second mist to the bank where Marianne waited. It touched her, and she felt that kick again, strong enough to make her stagger. Her foot landed in the creek, icy water flooding into her boot. She scrambled back, swearing, but before she had time to dwell on it, the two lights were pushing her on to the next one. By the time she found the last of them, she felt like she hadn't slept in days. They leaped and danced around her as she tripped over the grass on the way back to the cottonwood tree. At first she thought it was a trick of her eyes, but no. Green was spreading out into the meadow from where she was. Already the cottony puffs spun in the air, just like it had before. Her legs felt heavy. God, she wanted to sit down. Ewan appeared so suddenly that it was like magic. Surprise and exhaustion made her stumble back, but he was there to take her arm. He helped her sit against the tree. His face was flushed and healthy again. She rubbed her eyes. You have no idea of the gift you've given us. Glad I could help. He put his arm around her shoulders. She sat stiffly. She was tired, and it would be so nice to lean, but it seemed weird. You're amazing, Marianne. His hand was warm, rubbing her arm slowly. Look at what you were able to do. You brought us back to life. Like magic. It is absolutely the best sort of magic, selfless and true. He gave her a little squeeze. How? Magic isn't really real. It's just sleight of hand. Card tricks. She looked around the bright meadow. Am I just crazy? Like it's a delusion. You know in your heart what is true. The world has convinced you to doubt yourself where no doubt should be. You know what you really are. Our benevolent princess. I'm not. Her lips tripped over the words. I hate pink. He laughed. It ran like warm water down her spine, coaxing her to give way. What has that to do with anything? Princesses like pink. They wear dresses and get rescued. Like Sleeping Beauty. You don't know the princesses that I do. Princesses? They weren't harmless princesses in those days. Goddesses with stars at their brows. And where they walked, life itself followed. Flowers grew in their wake. Fields ripened even in winter. Harvests were bountiful. Animals grew large, heavy with meat and milk. Rivers teemed with fish, so abundant that the good folk could walk across the river on their backs. Warrior queens, they were. Their swords shone in the sun. Their helms gleamed with holy light. Armies beat against their shields all in vain. They laid waste to their enemies. They danced through the battlefields, granting final mercy. They sat on thrones made of the bones of the dead. Those they conquered offered up the choicest treasure to buy their favor. Rescue? They could not be tamed, those queens. 
They were storms bound in flesh. Men, you know, have their moments. You might appeal to honor or reason or brotherhood. Women, though. The anger of women is beyond the petty hearts of men. Raise the fury of women and they will never forgive, never forget. They are rage itself and they are primal, insatiable, implacable. Once set upon that path, they devour until the land is turned to ruin, watered with the tears of widows. His voice went on, telling her names and stories that she had never heard before. Despite her doubts, she listened. English at school was Heart of Darkness and Hamlet. It was Byron and Keats. It was Taming of the Shrew and Pride and Prejudice. It was Wuthering Heights, a book whose characters had been so repellent that she'd struggled to finish, even though her teacher said Marianne would love the spirited Kathy. If it hadn't been from the library, she would have thrown it away. Okay, maybe not, but she would definitely have ditched it at the second-hand store. These stories were different. There were no skirts or bowers or taking as wives. Women strode over fields and came home safely. More than safe. Victorious. They swung swords and spoke at councils. They chose their own husbands. At first... When they were surrounded by enemies, she would squirm, remembering Bodica and her daughters. But there were no endings like that in Ewan's stories. Not a single story ended in tragedy for those warrior queens. Imagine if it was really like that. But it isn't true. It was, once. It can be, again. Differently, maybe. These days seem very different indeed. But some of the old ways aren't entirely dead. They may come again, if the will for it is strong. He smiled. So handsome, it didn't matter that he was old. And anyway, he didn't look that much older than her, no matter how old he said he was. He looked maybe ten years older, Max. And Angie's boyfriend was nearly that, and they were getting married. Her boyfriend only worked in a warehouse, too. He'd never tell stories like this. Neither were the guys at school. They talked about sports or drinking or maybe there were nerds into sci-fi. No one would tell stories like this. What do you mean? Swords and things? Maybe. This age that I see glimpses of. It's a cold age. A poison age. The world wasn't always so. Once it was a garden. We came to dance and drink and make merry. That didn't sound so bad. Making Mary sounded like an old-fashioned version of a house party or going to the pit. Mary. Well, things like that were fun. Or used to be. Even now, they were still okay. The lights danced over the grass, as bright as they were before. She'd done that. They'd been so sick, almost dead, maybe, and she'd fixed them. She shifted, embarrassed at the feeling of pride. It wasn't like she'd really known what to do. It had sort of happened around her, but it had happened around her. All of the darkness in this world of poison can be wiped away. No one could do that. I could, he waved at the lights. My little family is too small. I can't yet travel out there in the world, but you could come here. You can give us life, Marianne. Together we could fix all that bedevils you. How? 
There are few true gates. You've opened one of them. With your light, your strength, our world will be perfect and peaceful forever. I don't know what I can do to help you. It seemed like he was barely holding on to his smile. She was disappointing him. I can try. I'll, I'll think about it. I promise. Why do you hesitate? He cocked his head and pushed a bit of hair out of her eyes. Why did you run away? I don't know. I mean, all of this, it isn't anything I know about. It's like a movie or something, not real life. You were scared? I guess. It stung, and she sat up, hugging her knees. There's nothing wrong with being scared, Marianne. The true test is what you do in the face of your fear. And you came back. That makes you very brave indeed. One of the lights, the first one, she thought, came towards her. It shrank down, and she had the oddest sense of being examined. After a moment, she figured out that it wasn't really shrinking. It was trying to sit like her. She looked at Ewan. She likes you, like a big sister. It must be a lot older than me. Her heart is still young. It will always be young. She'll see the world change before her eyes. Marianne straightened up, stretching out her legs. The light did something similar. It was blobby and indistinct. She tapped her feet together, watching it try to figure out how to mimic her. She waved her hand. A tendril of light peeled away from the main body, a floppy noodle version at first, before it figured out where the elbow should be. She smiled and threw up the horns. The blunt end of the arm squirmed uncomfortably but it finally made fingers that kind of did what she'd done. You shouldn't want to be like me. I can't float around. That looks so cool. It's something that can be learned if you only stay. Stay? I can't stay. You can. She shook her head. There's so much anger in you. There's so much sadness. Here you can feel joy, delight, happiness, unshadowed by pain. That sounds pretty good. The light had two arms now, and two legs. There were narrowed parts where a waist and neck could be. She stood up. The light swooped back, its legs not quite matching its speed. But it was staying in the same form. I guess I'm not happy. I mean, who is, really? There's so much shit going on. It's true that you've suffered. But just like ink on paper... It has yet to sink into your heart, to become a true thing. You're unbroken. It's why you burn so brightly. But it's a fleeting moment out in that poison world. Here is an indrawn breath. Here is the moment of silence between heartbeats. Here, you don't have to worry or be afraid. She didn't have a school to go to, just her crap job. I can't, though. I mean... She paced, feeling clumsy knowing he was watching. The light followed. It was better at moving. It looked almost real. She started to see more detail, like hair and a bit of a face. It was wearing a t-shirt and plaid shirt like she was, and jeans like she was, and boots. What, what's happening? Don't be afraid. She's only learning. Learning? She's curious about you. Already we... She loves you, 
She wants to make you happy. We. She shoved her hands in her pockets. It wasn't a big deal, aside from the magic bit, and once you accepted it, there wasn't much reason to worry about it. He was just a guy, a guy who was excited about her. She felt his presence all around her. She thought she could even hear him somehow. Not his voice, but something else. The light had pockets on its jeans now, and its hands were in them. Maybe you don't need me now. She isn't you, Marianne. You are irreplaceable. Is it like in books? All or nothing? Like, can I go back? Your light dims with each moment spent away. I have to... to think about it. It's my mom, you know. I'm all she has. But that wasn't entirely true. There was John, now. I have to think about it, she repeated. At last he nodded. Of course you do. He stood and took her hands. She felt a surge of warmth from him. Her heart was suddenly pounding, like in those early days with Bobby. He smiled gently and kissed her forehead. Come back to us soon, Marianne. Come back and tell us what you'd have of us. Here endeth the chapter. Mayfly is an urban paranormal fantasy narrative project with a new chapter uploaded every two weeks until the novel is done or my vocal cords fall off. Subscribe to Patreon for early access and occasional exclusive content. For social media, blog posts, and links to other work, please visit www.houseofie.com. That's house of V-A-Y-I. Com. For past chapters, a one-time donation to coffee is greatly appreciated. Music is White Horse on the Beach by Nature's Eye. It and other royalty-free media is available at pixabay.com. Thank you for listening. An audience is the greatest gift an artist can have. <laughs> <laughs>